I'm Austin Basis, and this is Actors Speak, where actors speak and I listen. Welcome back to part two of my interview with actor Reggie Austin as we continue the conversation. Yeah, Martin Landau would always say, leave the director outside. Yes, we were in the actor studio, but, and it wasn't about final performance. It was a rehearsal process and you present work, but it's like, especially when you have a director outside of you on set, yeah. you don't yeah. have that in an audition. So mm-hmm. um, it's ironic that you're, you're, the freedom varies between the two. Do you approach or change and adjust, whether it's your technician or your artist, your approach to the different mediums say you're auditioning for i mean you've done a lot of commercial work so from your commercial work to your tv work to your film work to your stage work how do those dials switch for you in the technical aspect but also mm-hmm. as an artist making choices yeah so yeah and again like knowledge of medium right uh, and sort of what to, what to do with that we're talking about commercials commercials are are, are bread and butter like in terms of the life of a working actor, at least for me, like, I don't mean this to cast aspersions in any way, shape or form. I don't think anyone out there dreams one day of being a commercial actor. Like that's, that's not a thing. And again, I am not knocking commercials. Give me commercials all day because I like paying my mortgage. Um, so I'm not knocking them at all. But in terms of like artistic exploration and fulfillment and no. For commercials, the technician drives and they are a support, 100%. Except for the commercials, which are actually like secret short films <laughs> where they're actually looking for an actor. Okay, then it's different. But if it's just like, honey, where's my razor? Or whatever. I don't need, <laughs> you know, I don't need Stanislavski or I don't need my magic as if, well, what is, what's his relationship to the razor? Where it's like, no, <laughs> no, man, just sell the Gillette. Like, this is not about your whole, sell the product. So for that, it's technician drives the bus and like the artist will come along and like, you need me for something? I'm here if, if, I'm here if you need me, but, but that kind of thing. So that's, that's for, for commercials. And again, commercials, great, do them all day. But when it comes to pretty much everything else, TV, film, and theater, no. Then it's, then the artist is driving and the, the sort of the technician is, uh, is uh, assisting. But I think for, I mean, it's it, it's it's kind of weird because I feel like I've been away from theater for so long, at least pursuing it pursuing it regularly, that it's sort of tricky to say. I don't audition regularly for theater. But the theater you've but, done, it's it's a different use of your artistic muscles, right? True. So, you know. Oh, hundred percent. I, yeah. I, I think I mean the biggest thing, a hundred percent between TV and film and theater is rehearsal, and is time for exploration and discovery and whatever that you just do not have at all with tv and film you do that work on your own by yourself like or sometimes on camera or sometimes yes exactly sometimes we're just like all right let's let's just find this and and if we get it like right by accident then it'll be on film and we'll move on (laughs) hopefully it's good but but i think that is just such a stark difference between the mediums the opportunity to play and to explore and find something on camera you just don't get that and i miss that like i really miss that actually i actually think i'd be 
I think I'd be a better on-camera actor if I had more of that because I, I tend to just, in general, not even just with art, just in general in life, I'm very reactive. Like I'm nowhere near as proactive as I or my wife uh, would like me to be uh, <laughs> about things. Confessions. Um, oh, dude, no, yeah, don't even get me started. Uh, so true though. Uh, but like, but if you give me something, boom. Like, uh, and I think that's probably one of my strengths as an actor is I can take a note like nobody's business. <laughs> if you give me the stimulus, if you like, you know, if you just give me that thing, I will run with it. Like if I understand what's like, oh, I see what you're saying. You want reach back in the toolbox. You, you want this. And it's just like, oh, wow. Awesome. Cool. Like I booked so many jobs from just that one moment of come with my work, da, 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 present casting director leans forward. Hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Note. I'm like, got it on the fly. Now I give you this. And they're like, smile, nod. Thank you so much. Like, great. Blah, 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 blah. Booked. Because like, that's part of an art, what an artist should be able to do is like, give you different facets of the diamond. And it's just like, part of like that diamond that you have, if in fact it is beautiful and worthwhile and can be, you know, mold over reflected on by default, you have to be able to turn it. You, you can't just sit there and only look at it from one side. That one side could be beautiful and just amazing. And maybe that's where the, the picture is going to be taken from that one side. But like, if you can't turn it, or if you don't see all the sides of it or allow people to see all the sides of it, you're missing something. But like, yeah, so the rehearsal process for theater is always huge, something I've always valued that you don't get for TV and film, but because what you're saying too is, you know, with casting directors uh, that we don't have the privilege of doing with the self tape is that yeah. they give you directions and mm -hmm. they only are casting that one side of the diamond. They don't, mm -hmm. especially with uh, the self tape process, they only get to see that one side. They don't get to turn it and see what it looks like on the other side. Yep. And I, I, I venture to think that yes, COVID aside and pandemic aside, that casting directors are going to want to know a little more than one dimension of the person that the person is presenting yeah. so that they know they're casting someone that when they get on set is going to be able to do what you do with adjustments with a director, because yes, you, you could cast people that are experienced at doing that and know that they'll be able to do that on set, but someone that you don't know from, you know, right. Adam, yeah. like is, is a, kind of a crapshoot. Do you approach comedy and drama differently? when you audition or you work in those two, cause you have done both. And obviously sometimes commercials are more comedic even though you've done some poignant ones. Yeah. Is there a conscious approach that is different with comedy versus dramas? Um, I think generally speaking, the technician gets more in the way with comedy because there's so much more to be hyper aware of <laughs> or so much more that one can be hyper aware of in terms of like, Comedies are comedies for a reason. Like if you have a comedy where no one ever laughs, like that's something, something wrong, which means the ways that comedies are written, they are meant to induce laughter. And as such, there are beats and things that are marked out. There are jokes that are written in and like finding the joke and hitting the joke, how hard to hit the joke. Like the ways that like all of those things are so much, I think more involved because like there's no 
flip side of that for dramas. Dramas are not designed to make you cry. And so find the beats to cry. And it's just like, no, that's, it, dramas don't have that. There's what, much more life and fluidity. And yeah, sometimes the part make you cry. Sometimes the part make you laugh. Sometimes it's all of this. But every comedy by default has laughter. So like, make sure you're aware of what the jokes are, what, what those beats are and, and all that. So as a result, in general, my technician will get in the way a lot more of the time with comedies than with dramas, I think, both for auditioning for them and for when I'm working on them. But in terms of, I guess, my approach toward them, I think over time it has changed, which I think somewhat matches, I think, how the way that the industry has kind of changed, whereby you'll have more serious comedies now. You'll have more, I mean, the word dramedy, I don't remember that word existing when, when I first started out. I feel, you know, I just feel like now there are more dramas that will have funny moments in them or whatever, and sort of are leaning into that a little bit. So there's a little bit more of a bleed than there used to be. But I think that, I mean, obviously in general, I just always wanted to try to find the truth of the scene or of the character or whatever, and sort of stick to that. But I guess in terms of approach, because there are times where like, I will audition for a comedy like it's a drama, only because that's, as I'm reading this, this is the character that's speaking to me. And the technician, when this is all properly aligned, the technician being part of the support staff will be like, there are no jokes that you're missing, no beats or jokes that you aren't hitting. So, okay. And then he steps back and then he just lets, you know, and sometimes like some of the funniest moments in comedy are when a character is being completely 100% serious. And because of the situation or because of the, the other character in the scene who was responding and whatever, it's freaking hilarious. So in that sense, there is less of a sharp distinction between the two because that's just what's there. Do you think, even though you're acting dead serious and you're totally taking it like life and death, that you have to know that that's funny, even if your character doesn't? Maybe, maybe. I, I think- Is there an awareness that informs those, those choices that you're gonna go a little further into the seriousness that right. you take it a little more seriously yeah. and it's going to be more funny than if you just no, take it true. normal serious. That's true. No, that's true. That's true. I, I think so. So probably, yes. I think probably the answer probably is yes. Like there needs to be at least some, some awareness, as long as that awareness doesn't pull you out of the grounded, you know, living in of the circumstance and, and, and of the character, then, then yeah. So yeah, I think that's probably true. Is there some element of what we know as actors and what we could play and all these, you know, terminology, I call this actor speak because I feel like there's this whole language that we could talk to in shorthand uh, other actors mm. that someone else might think we're speaking some cult language or some other language yeah. that they don't understand quite this, they're normal words, but they mean different things when an actor hears them. So, right. you know, when we're talking about like, you know, relaxation, objectives, tactics, actions, mm -hmm. motives, subtext, spontaneity, listening, connecting uh, with other actors, and then ultimately the emotional life or truth of the character. Is there one of those things that you think is most important in any given scene? Or for you as an actor, is there one thing that when all else fails, if you could latch onto 
either the tactive or the motive or the truth or the emotional truth, or just listening to the other actor. What is that one thing that you feel is essential to the, to the scene working? Hmm. That's another good question. I don't think that there is an answer for actors that like, oh, well, for any actor, you always want to make sure it's like, no, that's sort of, sort of like the thing Meryl Streep said. It's just like, I don't know. It's different. Like just kind of depends. And I think it's going to depend from one actor to another, what's most important or what let, what they latch onto. Um, offhand, I can't think of what necessarily that would be for me, but the thing it's making me think of is when you're struggling, when it's not there, when you're not dropping into it when, or whatever, in that moment, what do you go to? Like, that's sort of what I uh, am sort of taking from that. Cause I feel like, cause, cause I feel like it's, that question to me, to me makes me think of like, it's emergency ripcord kind of situation of just like, oh crap, it's nothing's, nothing's quite like tracking or whatever. So like- It's like, I, I have this in my purse somewhere and you're like, yeah, yeah. and you look and you look through all the like, things that you've it's learned. In here. Yeah, so yeah. All, all the things you've learned throughout the years and it's like, it's in here. It's like, and then you dump it out. It's like, oh, it's still in there. You look yeah. on the floor, it's not on the floor. And then it's like the one thing yeah. left. You're like, yeah, 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 this yeah. is it. I'm going to go back in and do it. <laughs> No, it's so true. Uh, I think for me, and I think maybe it, it depends on whether it's an audition or actual work. And I feel like it's, I can't do audition because with, with audition, especially now that we're in self-tape land, I'll just do it again or just find another take or, or something. But it's when I am actually on stage or when the cameras are rolling and we're there. I don't know if I can point to one, but usually it has to do, actually three things come to mind. One, relaxation and breathing in terms of, cause like no matter what, and again, this is getting actory, but whatever, like no matter what, you always have breath. If you don't, you're dead. So like in terms of like, oh crap, what can I hold on to? What can I, whatever? That's literally always going to be there. So. But actors have to be reminded to breathe oh, totally. sometimes. Oh my God. And yeah, Colleen does it all the time. She's like, just breathe yep. and then we'll start. Take a yep. deep breath. She yep, has yep, to yep, force yep, yep, actors yep. to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I work before almost every take, I'm like, uh, well, you can't see this, but like, it's like this, this bouncing because I'm, 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 I'm preparing, I'm readying myself to be uh, in, in a space. And so it's just always this kind of movement, like whether it's shaking my hands or like bouncing on the balls of my feet or whatever it is, sort of, I'm always doing that. But basically the thing to go to is, is, is something physical that roots you to the space, whether it's breathing, or bouncing up and down your heels or shaking your hands out or whatever it is something physical of just like, I am here right now. Maybe I'm not where I'm supposed to be or where I want to be for this scene or for whatever, but I am here and, and that's not nothing. And I feel like we forget the power in simple presence. Just being there is going to convey and communicate something when we don't forget that we are in fact there. So it's, it's relaxation and breathing is definitely one. And then again, and this is only when it's the actual job, the other actor. And whether the other actor is good or not, whether that other actor is actually giving you something or not, it's just like, they are there. Like I can see them with my eyeballs. Like, look, they're sitting on the couch or they're standing opposite, you know, the, the, whatever, there's their mark. There's the, it's rooting the physical realities uh, of the situation as a means of sort of pulling you back into where you want to be. And I think uh, I, I had a third one, but I'm forgetting what it was, but I think just sort of the umbrella 
over all of that is basically not being attached to the result, uh, which is such a huge actor lesson of just, I mean, it's the stupid actor thing of just like, something is only good if you cry. Like that's the mark of good acting if you're crying. And I remember like back in New York, um, studying with, with Susan, I eventually studied with her for, for a while. And then I actually started teaching there as well. And I remember like running that class that I described. So we're doing the class, we do the circle work. It's all good. We do the, the social sense, memory, emotional, like all, all work to that stuff. And we give the text. And I remember when we were doing the work and I talked to this one actress and I was just like, all right, what, do you, what are you aware of right now? And like, because of where she was as, as she was doing her work, all this stuff was dredged up with like her and her boyfriend or whatever. And she was just like crying and whatever. And it's like, oh, and she's just so in it, so feeling all the things. And I was just like, like, okay, like, cool. You're aware of, that's great that you're aware. Like use that, we'll put that into the work, blah, 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 all good. Give her the stuff, give her the material. And she goes and does the work and she's like bawling and crying and all just like uh, vomiting, vomiting up the scene because she was all up in the thing. And like, it was crazy. She was crying like crazy. I'm watching it like this, bored, because she wasn't telling the story. It was, I was watching her, like being sad about her boyfriend, I guess, or something. I don't have all the details and I don't know what's happening, but you're saying this other stuff that doesn't really match what you're, at. and there was a disconnect and it was just like, oh, oh, okay. And that's, that was a moment of just like, that's not, we're so results-based because like we see like the clip of like the Oscars or something and it's just like, and they cut that one scene where like that she's crying and, and it's all whatever and it's all dramatic. But the only reason why you were so moved at that scene is because of the story she was telling all before and after the, and I feel like you get into your head as an actor, the sense of being results-based of being, this is only going to be good if I cry or, you know, fill in the blank with whatever, what, you know, if I scream or if I, throw over a table yeah 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 yeah. it's like ah whatever and it's just like it just needs to be lived in and that can look different from one take to the next yeah or from one night to the next if you're doing a play like i think that not being tied to results is also a parallel in in the similar way of like an actor being tied to an emotional result is that an actor knows what's going to happen in the scene Mm-hmm. and the character doesn't and if mm-hmm. the actor is tied to the the result then the actor can't take the journey to get to that result yep um yep. and and it won't be lived through you said lived in it mm-hmm. also won't be lived through that journey just totally. in that scene alone so we've been talking about film obviously a lot what has been the journey of you seeing yourself on camera from a theater actor from who did, did a lot of theater growing up and and then those first moments of seeing how you looked when you acted on film in a TV yeah. show or a film. And then uh, how do you feel about that? And, and because we've shifted in these 25 years since we started to self tapes and being forced to watch ourselves and mm-hmm. send the best take, what has been that arc for you? And, and are you truly able to watch yourself objectively and, and be <laughs> self-critical? of yourself yeah. um, and not overly self-critical from yeah, self-consciousness, but, but yeah, as yeah, an yeah, artist, yeah. as no, an I artist. Get it. I get you. Um, it's funny. I think, I don't know if it was Michelle Williams or Carrie Mulligan or someone who's, who I was watching an interview at some point who said that she literally never watches her work like ever. 
And it was just like, what? Like, <laughs> and she said something basically to the effect of just like, total paraphrasing, but like, I know what I did. I know where I was and how, you know, I felt or whatever. The work is done. So she was like, I don't, I don't need to watch it. Like watching it will not help me. So it's just like, holy crap. And I think that that's, I don't think that it's like, and that's the goal and every actor must get to, it's like, no, because for other actors, and I think I'm one of them, just like seeing yourself is actually very helpful. It's very informative. Cause like you could think all sorts of stuff about you as an actor and about your performance. That camera is not going to lie. <laughs> You'll watch it and just be like, oh, <laughs> that is not how I thought I looked or sounded or whatever, or came across. And it's just, it's super instructive and informative and because it's different than theater theater is like is an experience theater you go and it's in that moment is what it is and then it's gone and then it's done it's ephemeral tv and film is forever <laughs> like i can go back and watch all terrible terrible early reggie austin acting uh <laughs> forever and it just it makes me sad and so can <laughs> everyone else i know and just, on I youtube know, gosh, like <laughs> oh man and um, yeah, but I, I think it's, you can allow it to be restrictive or you can allow it to be instructive. And I think that that's, if anything, it's funny, like even in the past year or so with during quarantine, it's been quite instructive. It, it's like, I've, I've always said for forever, I hate headshots. I freaking hate them. I just, everything about them. I hate how I look in them. I hate that they're needed and exist, uh, that they're used at all. Cause it's just like, I'm not a model, a headshot for a model. Oh snap. I totally get it. Cause you know, the print and the face and the, th uh, pa, pa, pa. everything I do is movement. Like every, even just, I'm always moving. Like I'm, <laughs> we were talking before you started recording, just like, I know you, I know how you talk. It's like, yeah, I'm like, I move. I'm super like effusive and expressive with when I talk. So the idea of like, you're just, always in the gaseous state. <laughs> well done. Well Full done. circle. Oh, nice. Yeah, I see what you did there. Uh, but like, it's the idea of let me distill all of that movement into a still image that encapsulates Reggie Austin actor. Boom. And it's just like, I can't, I don't have that gear. I'm not a model. Like I, I couldn't be a model. I would suck at it. So yeah, so I hate headshots in that, in that regard. But I... I am a model somewhat in that I am modeling a character. I am modeling another human being and I need to know what that looks like and be aware of that so that, cause I mean, like actor bad habits and just, you know, different ticks and things that you go to that aren't character that are you, that are you doing because you forgot that line there for a second that like, Maybe no one ever notices, but like, but you know, because you just recorded that take and it's just like, oh crap, what's the line? And then up oh, and then you find it. That took like a half a second, but you saw it and you knew that that was, you know. So, you know, just being able to watch yourself and allow it to be instead of restrictive, instructive is key, is important. I think can be very, it's just helpful in, I mean, I think the, the journey of an actor is one of consistently more and more over time, getting deeper and deeper and deeper into character and deeper and deeper and deeper into 
playing roles more fully and comprehensively and ho- and and wholly as as you go. And hopefully you continue to get better at it. I mean, God, I hope so. Yeah, I, I think yeah. there's always a deeper truth to be found. And you yeah. know, our work as actors are in in just as a side effect and exploration of us as humans and and yeah, yeah, all that we have to offer and mm-hmm. all that we could filter through a character to to try to tell the truth of that character. You're always kind of telling the truth of yourself by just being alive. Yeah. So how do we transfer that into the given circumstances and this character and all the, you know, the the breakdown of that character and who they are, wh- what they are, like what they do for a living. You know, maybe they don't have kids, maybe they're a single military person or, or whatever it is that we could use everything that we have to offer that character to Mm -hmm. tell their truth. Yeah. When you're on set, do you prefer a lot of takes or do you, are you someone that just wants to get it done and move on? (laughs) Um, And it obviously it could depend on the scene, but is like, uh, if you had your druthers, is it a, is it like get it and go? Or is it like, uh, let's let's work this and let's find this. You know, if we right. have the time, I think it, it it. I feel like my answer's changed over time, and it definitely does depend on the scene. I got like freaking two lines. I'm not gonna like again. You know, but, but one small. <laughs> Give me one for me. We will be here until we get it right. Give me one. Uh, I want to. I want to do something <laughs> different on this one. No, but I think it's funny because with this question, because. I can't conceive for a long time. And again, it's like the technician creeping in while I work or it's the self-saboteur sneaking in while I work or all the different things. Like once I had the job of just like, oh crap, I see like the camera, you know, operator and then the focus puller and the boom operator and the first AD and wardrobe and props and hair. And I, it's a team of people that are making this happen. And the way that film and TV is set up it's like everyone's doing all their work, da, 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 all the stuff, okay, boom, set, ready, good, okay. All right, actor, come in and go. And everyone else who's been bustling and doing all their work stops and waits for you. You finish your work, he's done. Okay, cool, wait, next scene. All right, we're gonna do pop, 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 pop. They finish that, you come in, okay, and go. And I, I know that rhythm. That's how TV and film gets made. And for the longest time, I was just like, I, I don't want to impose on this thing that's going on just to allow myself this artistic like experience and I can just like oh gosh no like this crew has been here for friggin 12 hours and they're tired this is like they still have one more scene after this let's get and because I'm like conscious of that for a long time I would never ask for another take because I felt like I was imposing to be fair that is wrong that is the wrong thing to ask at the end of the day, yes, film is a collaborative art form. Everyone has their own jobs, there's different components, and everyone wants to do their job well. You are not doing yours well if you need another take and don't ask for it. Took me forever to get to that point, to realize like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm sorry for existing. Oh, please don't be mad at me. Like, it, like all those sorts of ridiculous thoughts and feelings would be pouring through me at all times. But just like, no, ask for it. And it was just like, just yesterday, uh, I asked for one because I said I like halfway slurred a line 
just slipped over a word just a touch, but I knew it. And there've been enough times where I didn't say anything and that was the take they used. And it's such a small thing, but I saw it and it didn't have to be there. And like, I was just like, can we do that one again? Like, can we just go, it's like, all right, we're just gonna pick up after. It's like, actually, do you mind if we go back just so I can, because it was on my coverage and whatever. And it's just like taking that opportunity to actually say something, getting to that point where you feel comfortable saying it is huge and necessary. That having been said, you also don't want to be that dude who's just like, when, when, they, when your takes get into the double digits and the double digits because of you, not because we had an issue with camera or the boom, whatever, whatever, just you. If you're just like, nope, I need another, and too much. <laughs> there is a balance to be struck. You should ask for one more, but you should ask for one more. You should only ask for one more a few times, not 10. Like, that probably shouldn't be where you're at. So in terms of like liking more takes or not, it kind of depends. Because I also, for a while, didn't understand the idea of like, again, this is how film is made. Didn't understand the idea of its pieces. They use pieces. They don't use entire takes as a whole and only use all the things that you did within that. No, as they cut a scene, they go from the master to the you know single coverage, two shot, but they'll cut from here to here. They're going to use, take one from this, take six from this, take two from this, back to one, but, but, and it comes together in a cohesive whole. So if like, and this also has to do with trusting the director, because that's the other thing too, in terms of like wanting more or not, unless there's something clear that either you had a, a minor slip with a line, or you just feel like you weren't as grounded or as in as you know you could be, and you're asking for another for that, there is an element of, if you have a director, especially if you have a director who you trust, and they're like, we've got it, unless you want another. Oftentimes they're like, that's like a director's line. I'm happy, or we've got it, unless you want, you want another. If that director says we've got it, and it's a director you trust, let it go. Let it go. You don't have to keep digging and like, but maybe I didn't, maybe. And it's just like, he says, he says he's got it. Because in his mind, if it's a director worth his or her salt, they know already preliminarily what the edit's going to be. They know what piece for that line. Use. Yeah, they and know what, what piece they're going to use for that line more than likely. So it's just like if they say they've got it, they've got it. Move on. I think I definitely have that problem where I feel like my standards are way higher than anyone I could ever meet, even yeah, totally <laughs> Scorsese totally. or oh, whoever, totally. oh, and they'll accept whatever they feel is worthy. And then I'm like, no, I could do better. Like I'm always kind of like, I could do better. And that's and, the weird thing is because yeah. you can. Because it's just the idea of you can always do better, but that doesn't mean you should keep trying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, exactly. You yeah. know, it's just like, because then you'll just never stop. Yeah. Like, I could do even better. And it's just like, okay, at a certain point, did you tell the truth? Okay, done. Then move on. Exactly. I <laughs> remember hearing the story of uh, Brando doing the car scene with Rod Steiger in On the Waterfront. Mm -hmm. And it's just a cab scene where they talk and I could have been a contender. Yeah, I could yeah, have been yeah. somebody. Mm -hmm. He did his coverage for like two weeks with Ilya Kazan and that he, he, he just wasn't happy. And then he got it done and he got his stuff done. They got, I guess the wides done or the two shot of the backseat done. Mm -hmm. And then for Rod Steiger's coverage, he had to read with this like script supervisor or the, or the AD. And oh, yes. Yuck. Yes. He had seen, two weeks of what he was going to be acting with, but he always kind of felt, you know, that scene that 
Marlon Brando and it was is a famous Marlon Brando scene was done with me, but my version, my half of that scene was done with an AD. So That's I always, funny. I always pat myself on the back with that. I also <laughs> saw an early version. I don't know if you ever saw the movie. It was kind of like looking for Richard, but uh, when Al Pacino did Salome, yes. he did a, a similar version where they see it, you know, kind of like go behind the scenes of him doing this uh, famous classical work and, you know, how they kind of put it yeah, together. Yeah, and yeah. they they shot the the stage play that they did out here in, in LA. Uh, and I think Jessica Chastain was actually Salome. And oh, uh, there was an uncut version that I was invited to randomly because I just, I was like, oh, I'm sure I'll watch anything with Pacino. And it's like, he's going to be there. Oh, <laughs> um, and so I, I watched it and uh, it even had an intermission because it was so long, but there was a half hour, 20 minutes to half hour. Like I'm not exaggerating tirade rant that he went on with exactly what you're talking about. So they had three days to shoot. They had only a certain amount of budget and they had done only like half the play and they were on their last day and they had waited two hours or so for a lighting setup that they were basically filming the stage play in a very moody, light, heavy right. kind of expressionistic way. And he's just waiting for all the technical stuff to happen. And then his producers like, we're ready to go. He's like, well, I'm not ready to go. <laughs> Well, I'm, you guys take all the time you want and then we have to rush and we have to be ready. I'm not ready right now. He's like, I need to get, I'm eating a sandwich. I'm not ready right now. And it's like this whole thing that none of us could ever do. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Al Pacino, Oscar award winner. And, and yeah, years, yes, sir, Mr. Pacino. Yep. years of credits mm -hmm. that he spoke for he spoke for all of us when he was screaming at the technical aspect of it's <laughs> taking so long and then we have to rush because lights running out or yeah that we're gonna yeah. go over budget if if we go no. past eight o'clock no. at night we live in a obviously a, a kind of a cinematic world that treasures improv and, and improv moments on TV shows and films a lot of times get maybe more credit than they're due. But as an actor, that is a different skill set than reading a script and, and making the, the already written words come alive. Have you had of a lot of experience on set with uh, directors that say, just you know, say it in your own way or add what you want and improv or improvise and I'm sure you've done it commercially, but how do you feel about doing that improv? And, and do you think there are benefits in, it, in the rehearsal process and or the, the final result uh, with your work in particular? Right. I've definitely seen it commercially, especially since like a few years ago, they used to be like basically SAG rules where they had the script that they gave you and you were only supposed to do that. You were actually not supposed to improv for a commercial auditions, but they changed that if, uh, a few years ago. So I'll see it for commercial auditions for sure, but for TV and film, I can only assume, because I haven't done a lot of independent film, but I can only assume that must happen more with film than with TV. Because with TV, it's just, I mean, there's a general, you know, maxim, like theater is the actor's medium, uh, film is the, is the director's medium, TV is the writer's medium. So like for TV, it's just like, um, <laughs> the They'll correct you on one word, even though the one word you changed it to was basically the same thing. It's like, no, it's, but it, it's this. And it's just like, all right, well, 
my bad. I, like it's so the idea of improving for TV is like, I mean, I can count on one hand the number of times. And usually it wasn't even when we were shooting. It was one of the few times we actually did like a true rehearsal of something. And then I would throw in a line or, or, or something. What if I said, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh yeah, could we like that? But then they would change it. But it's super uncommon. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like one hand. The number of times I've seen, seen that happen for, for on-camera stuff. Are you comfortable as an actor doing improv uh, when, you know, you've had the, you know, training background and you're very like me, cerebral and think things through and that there is a uh, kind of a spontaneity and a kind of rug pulled out from under you when there's no rules, no script, and you still have to maintain the, you know, I guess, integrity of the character and the, the story right. while improving. Um. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's funny. I feel like it depends on when you ask me. Because <laughs> sometimes it'll be like, oh yeah, improv all day, let's go. But other times it's just like, oh, like, <laughs> and both for comedy and drama. But it's funny because improving with drama, if it's steeped in the character and the environment, the world, in some senses is easier because it's just like, you know, like I know roughly what's happening here. Improving with comedy is that added bit of, you don't improv something normal, you improv something funny. So it's the idea of, yes, you're improving in, within the confines of a, of a character or situation, but it should be funny because otherwise, why are you, you know? Um, and I feel like there's, there's two instances that come to mind of when it's happened for a comedy. One was for this, uh, a show I did called Broke. It was only it lasted one season. And I was playing this character who went on a date with the main character and she sort of is recounting the date to her friend and she gives the one like version of it and it's like that didn't happen that was it's like oh yeah well, i didn't happen like that it was actually and then she has a different version and as a result i'm playing one character but who's two very different sort of people and then one of those versions the character was like super boring and it was just on the date just being all kind of whatever and they had written out like you know a little mini monologue of just like i took this road and then i drove along here and the traffic wasn't too bad and blah blah whatever but this one take, it was just like, they said like, okay, just go. And then you'll just keep, you know, keep going and whatever. And this one take, I just like, just boom. And it was just like within the realm of the character was just like saying all this funny stuff. And it is always, it's like that sweet moment that like, I feel like you ask any actor who does comedy, it's when you make the crew laugh. When you make the crew laugh on a comedy, you've done something. Cause it's just like, they're there all friggin' day. They're not giving you pity laughs and trying to make you feel like no. But like I did it in this one take and like the whole crew just starts busting up laughing once they said cut. And it was just like, oh, it's like, yes. Like, oh, like that. So it's just like moments like that. Okay, cool. But the other moment I had was on a show I did called Up All Night where, and this was, it's funny because they didn't ask me to improv, but I was just around improv because that show had Christina Applegate, Maya Rudolph, Jason Lee was guest starred at a recurring gig and Will Arnett. And all four of them were in the scene. And it was just like, oh no. <laughs> because like, I'm like, I'm funny. Like I'm a, I have a good sense of humor. I'm a kind of funny guy. But like it took getting on that set and working with these actors to be like, I'm funny. These guys are professionally funny. There's, they're on a whole other level. So like we have the script and we would do, you know, whatever. But every take, they were just like, just rolling them out, just like boom, 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 just like funny after funny, just different line. And I was just sat back and just like, 
I'm not worthy. I'm not. Like, it was just such a eye-opening experience of just like, oh, this is like next level kind of stuff. So like, yeah, I'm comfortable improving, but like, I think again, like you were saying, because I'm a, the cerebral guy that I am, I know what I can do and what I can't do. I know my strengths and weaknesses and whatever. And I know when someone just does it better or does it like, and like improv is not my like jam. I think of like of uh, those acting gigs where it's like hidden camera stuff where you're supposed to playing this part and the person doesn't know and you're, oh, here's an actor we hired to play the part of, I could never do that ever. I would be horrible at it because in my mind, it's just like when I'm acting, when I'm, and I'm creating a world, I'm doing all this stuff, I'm doing that with someone else. Those actors are doing it by themselves with that unsuspecting person. So like, and in my mind, for me, it's just like, I could never do that. Like I would be horrible at it because like the awareness would be like, they're not in on this. They're uh, 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 like, yeah, like, your, like your uh, technician would be like, Oh gosh, throwing like, up call, like red flags. Like eh, eh, eh. it's like uh, inside out. Yep. Did you have a British accent for that up all night thing? I did. So on I top did. of that, like to improv had, with a yeah. dialect it would be yep. like yep, virtually yep, yep. impossible. Just Are there like, any other like onset or audition experiences that stand out as either life affirming <laughs> or uh, career changing, not necessarily in an opportunity necessarily, but just a learning experience that impacted you at your development as an actor, working I mean, with a, a, an idol or something or? I mean, I'm sure there've been many first two random ones have come to mind. I then did a couple episodes of Homeland early on. So I had a, a few scenes, uh, had this one scene with, I can't remember if it was with Carrie or not, but like this, you know, decent scene or whatever in the script. Fly out, there's shot in South Carolina, North Carolina, one of the Carolinas. Uh, flew out, I get there and the scene actually ends up getting cut. Like we don't even ever shoot it. It just, it gets cut. And I was just both devastated and insulted. And I was just like, um, what, what is happening? Who did, who, who I got to talk to? Do I have to call, make some calls? Like something, this is an injustice of da, da, da. Get me and the again, manager. Yeah, I would like to speak to you. I was going to go full Karen up in here. Like what is going on? Uh, but like, and again, this was like season one or season two. So this was like, 10 years ago or, or something and and I didn't realize it's just like again it's a collaboration and there's lots of different moving pieces and that scene was cut for reasons that had nothing to do with you but you couldn't tell me nothing I was like nope this is something this is a gross injustice blah blah, blah. <laughs> and so was born the first male black Karen <laughs> that's right this is racist <laughs> who in here is trying is trying to oppress me and not let me speak. And so I, it was a whole thing. And I was just, just again, young enough and stupid enough to think that like, clearly this is about me. Clearly they were like, oh, he's awful. We, we can't have him shoot that uh, or something. It was just like, no, it was cut for time. It was like, there's, there are other factors that play aside from you. And like learning that and realizing that not taking things so personally in that way. So that's, that's one moment. But then it's also, I think it's just littler things as well. Just like, it's like the reinforcement of doing your job and working hard really does mean something. People see it and they appreciate it. I had an audition for 
one of the billion shows that Linda Lowy casts. I can't remember one. Yeah, Shonda yeah, Land. one of the Shondaland shows or one of something. And it was to play a lawyer. And I got that audition. I believe it was on a, th- I, I was told about it on a Thursday for the audition, which was the next day. So it was less than 24 hours. It was four and a half pages, two scenes, four and a half pages as a lawyer, including like a courtroom scene where I'm like, pow, 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 pow. I'm pretty sure at one point, like the whole one whole page was just me talking like a whole thing. So I was just like, all right, let's go. Like it's Shondaland or whatever it was, Linda Lowe, like boom. And I busted my hump and I worked on it. And like, I saw the character, boom, came, dressed, suit, boom, memorized. And just like, boom, and like did it. So we finished the, that first scene and like, boom, they stopped the camera. And she was just like, did you memorize that whole? Cause I had the papers in my hand, but I never looked at them. It was just in it and go. And she was like, did you memorize the whole thing? And, and it was just like, it was like, yeah. And it was just like, wow, <laughs> like, like great work, Reggie, great job, da, 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 whatever. And it was just like, it's those little things. It's like, are you willing to put in that effort to do that work? I mean, and again, maybe it takes you longer to memorize so you don't or whatever, it doesn't matter. But like, are you willing to do, to do the work and not get caught up in, oh, but it's so many lines or, oh, but I only have just like, I have had same day theatrical auditions of, and with pages, just like, let's go. Like, this is what I do. Like, go make a fan. Like, you may not book that, that job. And I didn't I actually didn't book that job, but like Linda Lowy knows who I am. Uh, like it's not, she doesn't have to, when she sees me, check the paper and be like, no, it's like, oh, hey, Reggie. Good to see. And she, because she knows me and she knows the result. He does good work. I'm going to call him in for things. Probably right? helped you book a graze. Yeah, prob- I'm sure. This ends part two of our in-depth discussion. Keep listening to part three of my conversation with actor Reggie Austin. Thanks again to Reggie Austin for speaking with me, and thank you for listening. And thanks to my lifelong friend Jason Liebman and up-and-coming musical prodigy Dylan Hazen for composing and producing the Actor Speak intro music and theme song. It pays to have talented people in your life, and I'm extremely grateful for this sweet tune. One last note. I want to give a special shout out to Jenny Josephson for her guidance in conceiving and producing this podcast. Thanks for all your advice, patience, and support. Subscribe to Actors Speak on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, you'll be eligible to win some cool Actors Speak swag. Once again, thank you for listening. This was Actors Speak.